I want to start off this week with two tweets. I call them before and after. Here's before. Ed Gillespie will turn the really bad Virginia economy numbers around and fast. Strong on crime, he might even save our great statues slash heritage. And here's after. Ed Gillespie worked hard but did not embrace me or what I stand for. Don't forget, Republicans won four out of four House seats. And with the economy doing record numbers, we will continue to win even bigger than before. Classic Trump, right? He promotes Ed Gillespie, says he's going to do a great job as governor, and then when he loses, he cuts him loose. Says he lost because he wasn't Trumpy enough. Only Gillespie's huge loss to Ralph Northam in the race for Virginia governor wasn't the only race on the ballot. Republicans lost all over the Commonwealth Tuesday. We still haven't figured out if they've lost their majority in the House of Delegates. And it wasn't just Virginia. There were big GOP losses in New Jersey and in races across the country. The Washington State Senate flipped from red to blue. And while these were all state and local races, there's good reason to believe that these results are an explicit rejection of Trumpism. Gillespie's a good example. Maybe he didn't embrace Trump as fully as Trump would have liked, but his campaign, like Trump's, was based on an unsubtle appeal to racism, as Trump alluded to in his tweet. He might even save our great statues slash heritage. Gillespie campaigned on things like preserving Confederate statues. He also ran ads suggesting Ralph Northam would unleash the gang MS-13 into your houses to date your daughters. And he criticized Northam, who was Terry McAuliffe's lieutenant governor, for McAuliffe restoring voting rights to felons who served their debt to society. These were messages to white Virginians. I'll be your governor. Just like Trump's entire campaign, banning Muslims, building the wall, America first, were messages to white Americans. I'll be your president. Trump's message wasn't enough to win a majority of votes, but he did manage to eke out an electoral college victory. On Tuesday, that wasn't enough for Gillespie or a lot of other Republicans. Now, you can question whether an off-year election like this is predictive of what will happen the following year, but I honestly believe this year has been a harbinger of things to come. Trump's approval ratings are at historic lows, and for that to change, Trump needs to change. And if there's one thing we know for certain, it's that Donald Trump is not going to change. And Republicans, by and large, have refused to reject him. Let's be clear, 2018 will be a referendum on Trump's presidency. And while Democrats need to run a campaign that is more than just, Trump is bad, dissatisfaction with a worst president in modern history is the best asset they have going for them. And Trump himself gave the best evidence of what's to come. Don't forget, Republicans won four out of four House seats. He's right. There have been four special congressional elections to replace people he's appointed to his administration, and Republicans have won all four of them. But all the races were in deep red Republican districts, and all four of the races were surprisingly competitive. The wins were all narrow. And if Republicans in districts like those are barely pulling off wins a year from now, that means a wave election for Democrats. Huge wins, easily retaking the House. So Trump can comfort himself with those wins all he wants, but they aren't evidence that Republicans are doing well. They aren't evidence that America is satisfied with his presidency. Just like Democrats' huge wins on Tuesday, they're evidence Republicans are in deep trouble in 2018. 
Republicans barely eking out wins in deep red districts, that is not normal. Hello and welcome to the Trump Scorecard. I'm your host, Jesse Bernie, and I want to apologize both for the lateness of this podcast and for the quality of the audio. Unfortunately, I'm having some problems with my mic, so I'm recording this on my phone. Trump has spent most of the week in Asia on a fairly uneventful trip. Thank goodness. He gave a rambling, angry speech in South Korea's parliament with the usual overly provocative rhetoric toward North Korea. But he hasn't started a nuclear war yet, so... It's been a quiet week on the Trump front, and I'll keep the podcast relatively short this week. But I think it's a sign of the times when scientists are shocked when the administration doesn't take action to stop a report on climate change that is literally mandated by law. This week, the administration released the National Climate Assessment. And as the Washington Post reported, quote, the report affirms that climate change is driven almost entirely by human action warns of a worst-case scenario where seas could rise as high as 8 feet by the year 2100, and details climate-related damage across the United States that is already unfolding as a result of an average global temperature increase of 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit since 1900. In other words, climate change is real, it is our fault, and it is very, very bad. And given all the Trump administration has done to deny the reality of climate change, It is surprising that this report came out unscathed. It confirms the reality that climate change is here and is catastrophic. The report demands immediate, serious action to do whatever we can to reverse climate change. So, now that the Trump administration put out the report, does it mean it will start taking real action? Come on. I mean, come on. EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt gave an interview to USA Today It's not clear if he was in his secret soundproof bunker at the time. And he made it clear that he isn't reversing his plan to throw the Obama administration's clean power plan into the dumpster. Does this report have any bearing on that, he said? No, it doesn't. It doesn't impact the withdrawal. And it doesn't impact the replacement. First of all, asshole, impact is not a verb. And second of all, I said just last week that Pruitt hates scientists and science. Scott Pruitt hates science and scientists. Could he have given any better evidence than this? Here's a report by scientists, backed by solid evidence, saying we need to act on climate change, and we need to act now. And his response to throw up his hands and do not nothing, but to take active measures that will make climate change worse. These people don't just hate science. They hate the truth. This Saturday is Veterans Day, and I want to take a moment to genuinely thank people who have served our country in the military. I could not do what you've done, and I appreciate the danger you put yourself in, the sacrifice you and your families make, and your devotion to to service. And now I'm going to trash your commander-in-chief, because that's my thing. It takes a special kind of president to turn a story about veterans and dogs into a story of nepotism and corruption. But somehow, that's what Donald Trump has done. His daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, Eric's wife, has been holding meetings in the White House, pushing for a bill that would spend $10 million pairing therapy dogs from the Humane Society 
with vets through the VA, which sounds like a great program, and I'd fully support that bill. Only Laura Trump is an official with Trump's 2020 campaign. She's appeared in videos and at events for the campaign, which means she has no business conducting government meetings in the White House. There needs to be a clear, bright line between campaign business and official business. And Laura Trump is way over that line. Even if the cause is a good one, her actions raise serious ethical issues. And that's on top of the nepotism issue. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner occupy top White House posts. Hell, Laura Trump's brother was just appointed to a top energy department job this week, even though he has no experience in the energy sector. Nepotism is a real problem in this White House. So letting another family call and run White House meetings when she's also working on the campaign is deeply disturbing. I hope her bill passes because our veterans should get all the help they need, including therapy dogs to help with issues like PTSD. But the administration shouldn't have to violate basic principles of ethics to get it done. And one last footnote to this story. The program Laura Trump is trying to work on wouldn't be unique. The Warrior Canine Connection works out of Fort Belvoir and Walter Reed to train dogs to work as service dogs for veterans. Or rather, it did until this week, when the Trump administration suddenly, and with no explanation, ordered the program to close up shop. So I guess veterans will need Laura Trump's pet bill to pass now more than ever. We all know President Trump's commission on voter fraud is, well, a fraud. It's meant to justify Trump's lies early in his presidency about how three to five million people voted illegally in the election. He can't stand that he lost the popular vote, so he's spending millions of taxpayer dollars to create a fiction with fake evidence that he actually won. And this works out perfectly for people like Chris Kobach, who have worked their whole careers to push voter suppression measures dig up fake evidence of voter fraud, and demand rules that make it harder to vote. Everyone wins, and by everyone I mean Republicans. How fraudulent is Trump's voter fraud commission? It's so bad that one of the commission's own members, Maine Secretary of State Matthew Dunlap, has sued Kobach because he says he and other members have been shut out of the commission's work. His suit demands that he receive copies of documents available to other members, that he be included in communications, and that he be allowed to see the report before it becomes public. We always knew this commission was a sham. It was designed to create fake evidence of a problem that doesn't exist. But the Trump administration is so incompetent, it can't even appoint a corrupt commission without embarrassing itself. Kobach, who's running for governor of Kansas, denies that he's withheld any documents from Dunlap or other members of the commission. But when the people you're supposed to be working with are suing you because you're shutting them out of the process, it usually means you're up to no good. Which, to be fair, is exactly the point of the Voter Fraud Commission. So, good job, I guess. Anti-immigration advocates often say they're only opposed to undocumented immigrants because they broke the law in coming here. And if they just get in line and go through the legal process, they'd be welcome. But they're lying and they're racist. And in fact, the same people who oppose undocumented immigrants often want to shut down as much legal immigration as possible as well. And this week, 
they got an early Christmas gift from the Trump administration. The State Department announced it will no longer accept applications for the Central American Miners Program, which allowed children in violence-torn countries like El Salvador and Honduras to apply for refugee status. These are children who are in fear for their lives, who want to come here and build a better life. They're doing exactly what everyone says they're supposed to do, going through the legal process to come to America. But they're refugees, and they're brown, so under this administration, they are not welcome here. Remember that anti-immigration rhetoric has nothing to do with the rule of law and nothing to do with morality. It's ugly racism, pure and simple. And that wasn't the only attack on immigrants from the administration this week, because of course it wasn't. Acting Homeland Security Director Elaine Duke decided to extend the residency permits of thousands of Hondurans living in the United States since Hurricane Mitch back in 1998. And I've got no complaints about that, right? Only her predecessor, now Chief of Staff John Kelly, called her from Japan, where he was traveling with the president, to chew her out over that decision. I've talked about this before, but the idea that John Kelly is some sort of savior who will protect us from Donald Trump's worst impulses is a ridiculous myth. When he was running Homeland Security, he implemented the Muslim ban and oversaw an aggressive rise in deportations. He works for Donald Trump because he believes in Trumpism. And the number one rule of Trumpism is immigrants are bad, even hurricane victims and children trying to escape violence. Finally, I want to end this week's brief podcast with a clip from a confirmation hearing for Kathleen Hartnett White. Trump nominated her to lead the Council on Environmental Quality. It's basically the top environmental job in the White House. Here's Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island asking her a few questions. Do you know um, how much of the excess heat that has been captured by greenhouse gas emissions has been absorbed by the ocean roughly, say, to the nearest 10 percent? I don't have numbers like that. I've, I've read about um, Even to the nearest 10 percent. Do you know if it's more than 50 percent or less than 50 percent? Uh, could you ask, I'm sorry, but could you ask the question one more time? Of the additional heat that has been captured in the atmosphere as a result of greenhouse no, gas emissions, I, do you know how much of that excess heat that, has I, been captured in the ocean? Is it more or less than 50 percent? Do you even know that? Um, no. No. Okay. Um, but I believe there are differences of opinions on that, that there's not one right answer. Really? Uh, do you think there's actual serious difference of opinion, whether it's below 50 percent? Um, and unless I'm mistaken, yes. You think there is? Yes. Unless, serious difference of opinion as to how much of that has been captured question. by the ocean. You think there's serious scientific opinion that it's below 50 percent? Yes. Okay. Wow. Uh, do you think that if the ocean warms, it expands? Does the law of thermal expansion apply to seawater? Again, I'm, I'm not, I do not have any kind of expertise or even much layman's study of, of the ocean um, dynamics and the climate change issues. Just enough to know that you think that there's not science that establishes clearly how much of the heat has been uh, taken up by the oceans. You knew that, right? You said you knew that. My time's expired. I'm sorry. I hear the gavel knocking. I don't think there's a better example of the administration's dismissiveness towards science 
than pretending not to know whether water expands when it gets warm. But hey, you can't fault White for not being an expert. Her training for this position includes a master's degree in humanities and religion, and a year of law school. She did write a book arguing against renewable energy, so I guess that makes her as qualified as it gets in this administration for a job meant to protect the environment. That's it for another week with a turd that just won't flush as our president. Don't forget to visit the website for links to all the stories I've covered in this week's episode, thetrumpscorecard.org. You can find links to get in touch or just send me an email at thetrumpscorecard at gmail.com. Statue slash heritage. The Trump Scorecard is written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jesse Burney. Our music is from bensound.com. I'll be back next week, and remember, this is not normal. Mm-hmm.